0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdsc jack savage who works for you you know was a walk-on at ucla getting a text from him today like hey you know i'm working for jim rome now you know what that's what it's all
1: about i'm amazed jim that you know who that kid is
0: yeah he sent me a text today like i didn't know him i don't know if you remember me I played for you.
1: That sounds about right. That sounds right to me.
0: Hey, Jack, don't ever do that again. (laughs) Just say it's Jack Savage. Man, I know who you are. (laughs) I know who all my ex-players are.
1: Hey, now it's cracking. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. We are up to episode 262, and I'm about to chop it up with one of my all-time favorites. He is the current head coach at UConn, but he comes from a football family. He's been around the game forever. And yes, we are talking UConn, but we are not talking hoops. We are talking football. And we are talking football with a damn good football coach. My guest is the head coach of the Huskies, Jim Mora Jr. Jim, as you know, he's got a tremendous resume. He was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL before he had a stint in college ball here in SoCal at UCLA. And he's already impressing at UConn after six wins and a bowl appearance in year number one. It sounds pretty solid, but even more so when you realize the UConn didn't even win six games combined over the prior three seasons before he arrived. Like I said... My man can bring it. He can bring the heat, he can bring the energy, and he absolutely can coach and build a program. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. It is episode number 262, and I'll admit it, I absolutely love the guy. It's UConn head football coach Jim Moore Jr., and it's coming at you right now. So, Jim, when you and I spoke last November, it was very clear how pumped you were to be back in the college game and specifically at UConn. How are you feeling about things right about now and how good does it feel to be back on the grass? It feels
0: great to be back on the grass. You know, I don't think I realized how much I missed it until I got back out there and was able to coach these kids again. And, uh, you know, we we had a decent season. We're off to a good start. I'll tell you one thing that feels good to be about, about being at UConn right now is our men's basketball team. So a lot of energy on campus right now. Um, we got, I think five teams in the top 25 in their sport and the national champs. So now we gotta, we gotta pull our weight in football.
1: Man, that is so tremendous. I was going to ask you about that, so why don't we go there right now. What are your thoughts, Jim, as you were watching the basketball team roll right through the NCAA tournament and rip that natty? What kind of thoughts did you have, and what do you make of the job that Dan Hurley's done overall?
0: Uh, Danny's done a great job. I'm really fortunate, Jim, because I get to be around Danny and Gino Oriyama, who are two you know, of the best. And Gino is a legend, and Danny's on his way to being a legend, but you know, I, I went to most of the games and the energy that they played with, the passion they played with and more than anything, just how connected they were as a team and the way they played for each other. You could tell they cared about each other. They liked each other. Even when they went through that, you know, they lost six, eight mid season. Um, you just never really felt a dip in their energy and, you know, playing in the big East and I, you know, I'm more of a West coast guy and uh didn't know a lot about the big East, but going to those games and just seeing the competitive nature of the big East, the physicality of it, um, the way you got to fight and kick and scratch for, for every possession. You know, I think that, that hardened our guys up for the tournament and Danny had them hitting their stride right when they needed to hit their stride and they got great leadership, you know, Andre Jackson and Adama and Hawk. I mean, those guys, They fill it up at the right time. They're fun to watch.
1: I mean, to your point, Jim, the Big East is an absolute monster. The fact that there were two teams from the conference seated higher than UConn tells you all you need to know about that conference. It is an absolute beast. You know, you mentioned energy. I was going to ask you, are you happy with the energy, the commitment, and the competition that you're seeing from your guys as they battle for spots this spring?
0: I really am, Jim. Like, I think we've taken a very positive step in the right direction in regards to our expectations. And, uh, you know, I've always liked our players as people. I've seen them really put forth the effort to improve the things that we need to improve. And to me, you know, a big thing was just as a team, our mental toughness and, you know, our belief in what we were doing and kind of just staying committed when things weren't going easy. And these guys have done that. They've got tremendous energy. Our our practices have been ultra competitive. Uh, you know, they're they're in it for the right reasons. They care about each other. They want to be a good team. And as a coach, you know that's a really a fun environment to coach in, whose your players are. They're one hundred percent into what we're trying to accomplish. And you know, it's happened quickly. And you know, I credit our players and their personalities and their you know their willingness to do what we ask them to do to be great.
1: You know, Jim, it's interesting because it has happened quickly, but I'm listening carefully to what you're saying, and you're kind of framing last year as it was a positive step. We had a nice year. But the fact is, I mean, you had a really, really good year in the sense of what you inherited and then where you were and the fact that you got to a bowl game, but all of that said. Like, you're good, but have you stressed to the team that being good is not good enough, that the standard is higher than that?
0: Without a doubt, Jim, and I'm glad you say that because too many people are saying, hey, great job last year, great job last year. Well, listen, the last time that I was associated with a team that was six and six and then lost in the bowl game, I got fired. And, um, you know, I don't want us to uh, listen. I want us to feel like we're on the right path as a football team and proud of what we are accomplishing. But just like you said, Jim, they have to understand that the standard cannot be six and six and losing a bowl game. It has to be much higher than that. And it has to be constantly on our mind that, you know, we are just at the start of this journey. We haven't accomplished anything yet other than, you know, starting in the right direction. And we got to keep pushing to to keep traveling in that right direction. And that's a mindset that we're developing here. Unfortunately, I got a bunch of young men that, they understand that, and they're, you know, they they're one hundred percent committed to what we're trying to become.
1: You know, interesting. But we haven't
0: become it yet, Jim. We have not even become it yet.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, Jim. I was going to say it's really interesting to me what you just said about mindset and that you've got some young men that have really good mindsets. I'm kind of curious because you've seen everything, you've been around it so long, Jim. In your experience with young athletes, what is potentially more damaging: everybody telling them how great they are, or the low lifes who take to social media to tell them how much? much? much they suck?
0: Both really, you know, probably probably it's more dangerous if they listen to the people that tell them that they're better than we are yet. They tell them what we have done in the past is a great job. I think three words that can bring you down real quick is I got it or we got it. You know, like, hey, we've arrived. We understand you. You never stop learning. You've never got it. You know, if you want to be great, you can never stop pushing your standard to make more and more progress and become better at everything that you do. And, Jim, I think the thing that's very unique about this football team and the men that are on it is their complete and utter lack of entitlement. They they don't believe they're entitled to anything. They want to work for it. And it's really refreshing. And it makes it enjoyable to be around because they don't resist at all. They just buy in they ask great questions. How can we, they, they want to know how they can be great, how they can find the next level. We've had six spring practices and I felt that in every single one of our practices. Now, Tuesday morning after we won the national championship, that was, you know, we had to pull, pull teeth a little bit to get them to go. But uh, other than that, I don't know, man. It's like one of the most unique experiences of my career to be around these guys here. And I'm I'm grateful to, to be around
1: a group like this. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. You know, Jim, you were saying recently that one of the more significant moments of last year came not in a win, but in a loss to Ball State. And it's a game that you yourself probably will never forget. Why was that such a seminal moment for you and for the program?
0: Because our we, we were up 21-10 going into the fourth quarter. We'd won a couple games. I think we started feeling good about ourselves. Um, and We lost. And when we lost, the mood in the locker room was markedly different than it had been for any of our other losses in that there was an utter disappointment. Um, there was a there was a frustration, a level of anger that I hadn't felt out of these guys uh, up to that point. And it indicated to me that their level of expectation had risen. And they realized that we let one get away, that, you know, we had an opportunity to win. Now, Ball State's a good football team, and I'm not being degrading to them at all when I say this, because they did beat our ass. But uh, our men felt like, hey, you know what? We can win, but we let this one get away. And I felt like our level of expectation at that moment took a step up and they started to understand, you know, how important every single moment of every single game is and that they were capable of really good things, but it's fleeting. And if you don't protect it and you don't guard it and you don't freaking, you know, uphold it all the time, it goes away quick. And it was a great lesson for us.
1: I was going to say there's so many great lessons in that loss. I'm curious, Jim, like you've been around it again for a long time. Is it, it? you know this, but for the young players to understand it, is it at all surprising that such a defining moment came in a loss or maybe is that not that unusual to you?
0: No, it's interesting, Jim, because most people say, hey, what was the moment? What was your turning point? You know, they say that a lot in sports. You know, when did you know the season had turned or when did you feel like your program had turned the corner? And first of all, I don't think you've ever turned the corner. I think you're always you know, in pursuit of perfection, that never-ending pursuit of perfection. But I, you don't often hear a coach talk about, you know, that proverbial turn the corner in a loss. And yet that's when I felt it. You know, I think when most people ask me that question, they they want me to say, well, when we beat a 19th-ranked Liberty to become bowl eligible. Well, I don't know that if, if we hadn't lost a ball state and felt the sting of it, um, and what, you know, failure felt like after having success if we'd, have, if we'd have beat Liberty. You know, I don't know. So to me, we found ourselves more in a loss than we did in a win. Yeah,
1: that makes sense to me. Now, back to, Jim, social media. You've been hashtagging much of your content with Reload. Hashtag Reload. It seems pretty self-evident, but what is the significance of the Reload? Um.
0: Yeah. Just, you know, it's we had this thing, Husky Revolution, and, you know, that was, you know, kind of getting it going. And now, listen, we got to we got to reload. You know, I don't want to talk gun violence or anything. You have to be careful with that. But, you know, we got to reload. We got to reload our mindset. We got to we got to empty the, you know, the thoughts that we had and reload with with, you know, greater aspirations. And we have to reload our work ethic and we have to reload our standard. We have to reset the standard. And so I just like that word reload, not, you know, not reset, not, not uh, build, not going back to Husky revolution, man, let's reload this thing. Let's, you know, put some more ammo in the, in the, in the cannon, let's call it a cannon and, and, and let's get better.
1: I get it. I get it. That makes sense too. Listen, I'm pretty sure that I know the answer to this, but Jim, you've coached and played at the highest levels of this sport. As you look back over your entire life, your entire career, who has had the single greatest influence on you personally and professionally?
0: Uh, my dad. My dad has, by far, um, just in everything that I've done in life, you know, he's been a guide for me, um, certainly in coaching. And, and then I'll tell you, as someone else, and I draw, Jim, I've been around some of the greats. I mean, God, the Bill Pullians and the Don Corielles, and, you know, I mean, I can go on and on. But the one person that I draw lessons from daily is Bill Walsh. I was so lucky to be around Bill and use him as a mentor. And he was at a point in his career where he was very open about things. And I would have him come and sit in my meetings and evaluate my presentations and... I would go pick his brain about roster management and dealing with issues that players may have and hiring coaches and game management. And um, there's probably not a day that goes on that, you know, I don't access something I've learned from, you know, my dad and being able to be around Bill Walsh, you know, fortunately I can still access my dad, you know, and he, he still gives me great advice Um, with Bill, you know, may he rest in peace, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have that, but I still have the memories of being with Bill.
1: That is so interesting. So, Jim, when you talk about, you can, quote, still access your dad, do you access your dad, or does he make it a point to find you? For instance, <laughs> is he watching film pretty intently, and come say Monday, is he blowing you up with a few notes and a few thoughts?
0: Yeah, so it usually goes like this, Jim. Saturday after a game, win or lose, it's the, you know, call, hey, great job, or hey, you know, tough one, you know, keep him going. But he records every game. And uh, he's not watching the film anymore, but he's watching the TV broadcast. And you usually Sunday night or Monday, then I get the call about, hey, what were you thinking here uh, if he's being nice? Or uh, what the hell was going on there, <laughs> you know, if he wasn't being nice? So I get a little bit more of the critique. And then it's the build me back up for the game by by Saturday. My dad wants to know everything that's going on here. He's so into it. And he's so supportive. And he's, you know, he's about to turn 88, which is hard for me to believe. He still works out every day as a personal trainer. He's playing golf. He looks great. Uh, You know, shoot. He he does those dead man walks where he picks up the weights and carries them like 50 yards still, you know, it's crazy, but you know, he's really into it and uh, he's incredibly supportive. And just having a guy like him that has been through the things that I'm going through, on a daily basis as a coach, um, some of the decisions you have to make and the things you have to fight through, I'm incredibly, incredibly lucky to have my dad still around and still a part of what I'm doing.
1: Jim, I think that's so inspiring on so many levels, man. I love that. I love that. I love I love that he's 88 and he's still going as hard as he does. And, you know, I've told you the story before. This does not surprise me in the sense that, and look, we're all – you're about, you and I are about the same age. So we know what this is like. This is not easy, man. We can't, we can't necessarily look. We could argue that we could still be at our best and still be the best version of ourselves and even improve this late in life. But it's not as easy as it used to be because we don't bounce back the way we used to like at 88 mentally. How sharp is he?
0: Sharp. He's on it. I mean, he, he, he really hasn't lost any of his mental capabilities. Uh, He's he's on it, Jim. You know he works at it. You know he he he. Uh, it's interesting. You know, and this is personal stuff, but I don't think he'd mind sharing. You know, he lost his mom to Alzheimer's. His brother just died very recently of uh, of Alzheimer's. Um, you know, I know that's something that's a concern of his, obviously. And so he he really takes great care of himself physically. He eats right. He exercises his mind, and he is sharp as a tack. And he's probably more competitive than he's ever been, which is the interesting thing is, you know, he plays a lot of golf or he's lifting weights and he's not one of those 88 year olds. that's just trying to, you know, lift the same weight as he lifted the day before he's trying to lift more weight. He's trying to beat his golf score. Uh, If he goes out and he plays a bad round of golf he's hard on himself, he's back out at the range, you know, so he's still with it. He, uh, he still gets it. I'm, I'm very fortunate that my parents are both, healthy and and doing very well, thriving still.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm going to tell you why I'm not surprised by that at all, Jim. I've told you before, I think that I once went to a Christmas party for a corporate Christmas party that your dad was at, and he had since stopped coaching at that point. So I'm going to say he was in his 60s, maybe mid-60s, late 60s, probably mid-60s. And I'm telling you, he made the point. He was great. He was so awesome to talk to, but he was very clear about, I get up, and when my feet hit the ground in the morning, I am still competing, and I am competing at everything. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's golf, it's the treadmill, it's the elliptical, whatever Whatever it is, I'm going hard, and I'm still competing, and I'm looking for my personal best. And he was still saying that I knew he meant it, man. The energy that was coming off him, even in his 60s, I'm not at all surprised to hear you say that he's still like that in 88. And by the way, shock of all shocks, this is why he's 88, right? It's that mindset, yeah. the way he went after it, and still does.
0: He ain't letting the old man in. You know, right. know what I mean? He's right. resistant. <laughs> I love he's that, fighting man. it. And it's pretty cool um, to see and it's a it's a great for me. He's a great role model. Um, and you know what, Jim? You probably, you know, seeing him at an event like that. You know, when you when you used to see my dad in public, in the in the public forums and media was much different in those days. Uh, you know, they liked to make fun of him because he was he was very honest, genuine, told it like he was, and sometimes it didn't come across great. But as you know, he's a great dude. Like like he cares about people. He's passionate, he's energetic, he listens, he gives a dang, you know, what's going on in your life, he asks questions. Um, he's he's a he's a he's a great dude, man. He's he's funny, he's fun to be around, he's ornery as hell at times. Uh he's gentle as can be around his grandchildren. Um, but I'm I'm lucky. And my mom's the same way, you know. It's uh I'm lucky. But he he would, you know, I, I think that if there's one thing that that bothers my dad about his career it said he's more known for the playoffs thing than he is for the 185 games he won as a head football coach in college and professional football and uh you know i i hope at some point people recognize that he took a a franchise that had never had a winning season in 20 something years and turned them into a winner and uh rather than you know the, the playoffs rant that he had
1: clones what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy not bars not sugary snacks not energy drinks you want beef pure and simple where's the beef it's in a package of I think what you said, Jim, is so, so accurate and so accurate and in some ways so unfortunate because as somebody else who had a moment that was viral before things went viral, I know that, you know, whenever it came over the table and we had our thing, I thought to myself, all right, I did that. I'll own that. That was a bad day at the office. And that was my fault. And I've apologized for that a million times. But I hated to think that, is that the only thing I'm ever going to be known for? When I've done this thing 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, they're going to keep going back to that thing? I know exactly what you're talking about, and what your dad must feel like. And then to your other point about your dad having spent time with him that night in that setting, man, he was—I was spellbound. He—he he is engaging as hell. He is such a good dude, such a good dude. Yeah,
0: he's got a lot of stories.
1: Oh man, but but it's just great. And then my third thought on that, Jim, is I hope that one day my kids. Now I've got I've got a son named Jake who's graduating from Wisconsin this year. I've got a son named Logan who's a senior in high school who's going to go to Boulder. I And we always talk about this. I've always said, man, I love these two dudes. I can't wait till they're old enough that we can have a pop or two. And now one is old enough and can put drink me under the table because he goes to Wisconsin. My point is, I hope that they talk about me the way you talk about your dad. That's cool as shit.
0: Yeah, it, it is cool. So I got a son at Boulder. So if you need some... Uh, so how, how is that? How, how does Boulder, he like
1: it? I appreciate that. How does he like it? He loves it. Good. He absolutely loves it. He's a, He's just
0: finishing up his second year there. He loves Boulder. Um, he loves University of Colorado. He's made a lot of really good friends. He's a Southern California kid and, you know, went to Colorado. And he's doing really well. And uh, I'll tell you, Jim, so he, you, my dad, interesting guy, really tough coach, hard on his players. And um, in 2005, when I had come off that good year in, in Atlanta, we went to the NFC Championship Games, had two amazing – kind of things happened to me that put a lot in perspective. Number one is when we beat, we beat the Rams to go to the NFC championship game. Uh, My dad had not won a playoff game in the NFL. And he was, he was so nervous that his six losses in the playoffs were going to be that I was going to absorb those. If we lost to the Rams, the more were going to be 0 seven. And we won that game. And I've never seen him more excited about anything in in the world. I gave him a game ball and I said, hey, that one was, you know, this one's for you, dad. I mean, I didn't give him the game ball because that went to a player, obviously. But we went back to my house and uh, and I had all my close friends there and I had to go to bed because I had to I had to uh, get to work the next morning. But when I woke up the next morning to go to work. My dad and my best friends were still sitting out by the fire pit, smoking cigars and drinking margaritas about six in the morning. Mm. I've never seen him so happy. And then the other thing, and this is kind of giving me perspective, is I had a golf tournament um, that off season. I used to, I had a, a charitable foundation. I had several golf tournaments, and a bunch of the old Saints players came to it. Morton Anderson and just a bunch of guys my dad had coached that I was also close with. And I remember like my dad transforming into a guy that was their coach into a guy that became like their friend and their peer and them drinking margaritas and laughing like hell. And later on, my dad tell me, he goes, you know, he goes, I was always such a hard ass when I coached and I never got close to these guys. I wish I would have gotten closer to them now because they're really good people. And I've always tried to carry that with me. You know, there has to be some separation between the coach and the player. But There doesn't have to be a separation that doesn't allow you to get to know them on a personal level and enjoy who they are and let them see who you are, you know, and uh, just good lessons for me to learn as his son. Uh, just by observing and talking
1: i think that it's an amazing perspective jim that you share not only as being his son but being where you are in your life and where you've been in fact i heard you say this recently in another conversation but when did you first reach a point jim where it was no longer about you and before you answer i'm not saying that hey man you're a selfish guy it's about you it's always about us it's for everybody but for you personally when did you reach that point where it was no longer about you
0: truly sincerely um last year hmm. i took this job and i came here and my kids were grown um, they were off at school all four of them were off at school or had graduated and i was you know had four years out of coaching realized how much i missed it realized how fortunate i was to have this job and work with these people and it just all of a sudden just you know it was really interesting jim not only did I realize it wasn't about me, but last year I finally felt like I knew what I was doing in this profession after being in it for my entire life. Last year, I was like, damn, I kind of think I know what I'm doing. Finally, you know, I kind of know how to react in certain situations, how to treat people, what's important, what should be a priority, how to motivate, how to enjoy it while still pushing the standards. And it's a, it's a good feeling, you know, it's a, And I'm never going to lose my competitive edge or my passion, but I'm going to tell you, it was a little bit, it was settling, you know, to finally feel like, hey, this is, hey, we can, this is good. I know what I'm doing finally. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who say, you don't know what the hell you're doing, (laughs) but I feel like I know what I'm doing finally. And I feel... I feel secure in what I'm doing, and that's a good feeling.
1: You know, Jim, I'll tell you who said almost word for word, verbatim, exactly what you just said. And I hold this guy in the highest regard. I had a conversation with Mac Brown last week, and now Mac is yeah. 71 now, and he said almost the exact same thing. That you did about being where he is in his life and where he is as a coach, and he was emphatic. You know, never mind one of the great leaders and speakers ever, but he was yeah. emphatic, Jim. Like he knows for a fact that never mind when he won the Natty, he feels that he's a better coach now than he has ever been. You just said when I was away from from it for four years, Mac was away from it for five years. Do we need that kind of break to get that kind of perspective? Like if you were never away from it, would you be in the place you are, your mindset you have right now, or did you? need that time away from it
0: I think I needed that time Jim I think I think not only did he need that time I needed to be fired humbled um I needed time to reflect I needed time to figure out you know what um I would do better if I was given another chance where I failed um you know I think we all when we get we kind of get fired you know, our initial reaction as a human is to blame others and point the finger. But if you don't come around pretty quickly to, hey, what was my part in this? Where did I go wrong? How can I improve? How can I make sure I don't make this mistake again? I think that gives us a lot of perspective. It puts things in perspective in terms of your next opportunity. You know how and how how much you need to value it. And um, you know, I think if I had just kept going going along and not hadn't had some of the you know, the moments I had that, you know, listen, Jim, I I know what moment you're talking about. I was a part of it. I've had some moments too, you know, that I'm not proud of that I hope that they don't define me. And I'm hoping I can, you know, keep trying to outrun them or live them down. But I don't think if I hadn't have stopped and had to struggle a little bit and had the, the, you know, missing it the way I did. um, And I mean, all things, not just winning and not just the game, but, the interactions, the relationships, the opportunities, um, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be the same coach nor man I am right now. So, you know, I, I'm one of those guys, that I think the, the glass is always half full. I'm the eternal optimist, but I'm also a realist in terms of, you know, hey, some bad stuff happened. Let's figure out why. Let's try to correct it. Let's learn from it you know, you know, that you know, Jim, you know, you, you know, adversity builds or reveals character. I really believe in that. You know, I think I like hard stuff. Um, I like the feeling of overcoming adversity. I like where, where it takes you. So stepping away for a while, or I don't know if you'd even call it for me, stepping away, being forced away. You know, I couldn't get a job, Jim. Like, it's not like I was turning down jobs every day. You know, I, uh, If I wanted to be a head coach, that is. There's other positions I could have taken, but I needed it to become
1: better. I needed it. I didn't like it, but I needed it. Preach. God, Jim, that is amazing. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard, also doubled and the best part you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it discover does it automatically seriously though see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match like so I, i'm gonna let you go but before i just want to follow up on that when you couldn't get a job what kept you going, Jim? I mean, obviously you had a belief in yourself, man, but that's hard. That's hard. I don't care who you are. It starts to play on your mind. How did you stay upbeat? How did you dig your way out of that? And when things got really dark, what was your process for getting through it and coming out the other end?
0: Interestingly enough, my process, Jim, when I, when things aren't going good is I get outside and I go uphill. Hell I yes. Hike, I mountain bike. You move. You move, right? You move. Yeah, I I activate my mind. And I I think, you know, action, um, action creates reaction. I think, you know, if you sit stable and you're not doing anything, um, you go stale. So I was actively researching jobs. I was staying busy, you know, with my role in the media. uh, But I desperately wanted to coach and I missed it. And I just prayed I'd get another shot at it because I knew I'd be better at it and I wouldn't screw it up again as badly Uh, so i I just i think like i said i'm I'm an optimist i knew that i was qualified i knew i'd done a good job at ucla i still don't think i should have gotten fired but i did and i had to live with that um i knew the mistakes i'd made in atlanta um and i wanted to just i think more than prove anybody wrong it was get another chance to prove myself right and i'm trying to do that and i'm hey man i fail all the time at that I mean all the time but the important thing is that you you have some self-awareness and you you understand why you failed when you failed and how you can fix it and you don't you don't let it happen again or you work hard not to let it happen again I'm I'm trying to do that
1: hey Jim you and I we've known each other a long time we've had these conversations for a long time I don't think and I mean this sincerely and I'm not saying it to you because we're having this conversation right now but I've never heard you sound better I think you sound great. I'm inspired by the energy. I'm inspired by the mindset. I love everything I'm hearing. Let me finally ask you this, because you had success as an NFL head coach. You had success as a college head coach, but you said recently, whereas you like the NFL, you love, love college football, and you were really emphatic about it. Like, I, I know that that's not something you just say. You mean that. Why do you feel so strongly about the college game?
0: Um, I, I love being on a college campus. I love cheering for the other teams. You know, I go to as many games as I can of our sports around here. It doesn't matter who's playing. I like to go and watch our student athletes compete. So being part of a campus community is really fun. But I think more than anything, Jim, it's it's the impact you can have on 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, and not just an immediate impact, but a lasting impact on them. And I can take the lessons that I've learned from all the great people that I've been fortunate to work with or coach, you know, Jim, I've coached over four I've worked with or coached over 44 members of the pro football hall of fame Hmm. and administrators or players. And I had nothing to do with any of them getting to the hall of fame, but I learned tremendous lessons from, from them in watching them or talking to them and then to be able to convey those lessons to these young people, um, and help them reach their dreams on and off the field help them reach the dreams that their parents had for them on and off the field, see them walk across that stage and get their diploma, see them get their first job, see them get drafted in the NFL, you know, get you know, Jack Savage, who works for you, you know, it was a walk on at UCLA getting a text from him today. Like, Hey, you know, I'm working for Jim Rome now. It's awesome, man. I thank you for helping me out when I was at UCLA, you know, and remembering me like those things. I mean, you don't get that in, in pro sports much, But you get it in college and uh, man, just knowing that you had even the slightest, smallest part in helping someone get where they wanted to go or realize the success that they, that they were chasing. You know what? That's what it's all about.
1: That's amazing that you mentioned Savage, because I was going to say Savage. In fact, I do say it. man, mean, you got to keep Jim Moore's name out your mouth. I guarantee he has no idea who you are and has never heard of you and would never, ever reference you. So I'm amazed, Jim, that you know who that kid is.
0: Yeah, he sent me a text today like I didn't know him. I don't know if you remember me. I played for you. That sounds my about right. That sounds right to me. To I said, hey, Jack, don't ever do that again. <laughs> just say it's Jack Savage, man. I know who you are. I know who all my ex-players are. You know?
1: that, that is helped. the best. That is absolutely awesome. And plus, how could you forget a kid who's got a name like Jack Savage? I'm like, oh, dude, you, you better be a savage if you're going to walk around telling people your name is Jack Savage, right?
0: And he was tougher than hell, just so you know. Was he? he was yeah, for he was real? Tough kid.
1: For real? Yeah yeah dude coming from you that means everything i appreciate that jim listen i i appreciate you even though you and i spoke not too long ago i want to reiterate how much i appreciate you how much i appreciate the friendship the relationship and especially how much i appreciate the long form conversation jim so good to have you on thank you so much for doing that that was an absolute blast as always
0: i feel the same way jim take care of yourself okay hey and hit me up about colorado if you need to
1: man. How about my guy, Jim Mora Jr. If you need him straight up, real, raw, total honesty, total accountability. And sounds like he is living his best life. It is hard to show up any better than that. In fact, I'm going to say it's impossible. So my thanks to the coach, and I want to reiterate, I really appreciate that relationship. He has always been there and always been available to me on every one of my platforms over the years. That was an absolute blast, and I appreciate him making time and stretching out for the original side hustle. If you're looking for more conversations like that one, we have over 260 of them ready to roll. They're all completely free. All you have to do is go track them down they all hold up and if you subscribe right now the fact is you won't have to track really anything down they'll find you you don't need to find them as they drop every single week so if you can search out smash that subscribe button and then i will catch you next week for episode 263 have a great week see you then